We're still looking at the Ten Commandments. Let's uh, review our summary. Have no other gods. Make no idols. Speak well of God and for God. Keep the Sabbath day special. Honor father and mother. Need two hands. Commit no murder. Commit no adultery. Commit no stealing. There, tell no lies against our neighbor and do not covet. Now you try it with me. Number one, have, make, speak, God and for God. Keep, stay holy. Uh, uh, yes, special. Honor father and mother. Commit no murder. Commit adultery. Commit no stealing. Tell lies against our neighbor and do not covet. All right, that's our little summary. If any of you want one, we still have some magnets on the table back there of that summary. We're looking this morning at, again, the, the subject of the Sabbath day and um, how the Sabbath day is to be a delight. For a lot of people, the Sabbath day has been become sour, and it's not a delight, and I think it's primarily because we've wrongly interpreted the Scripture. Now, this is a true story. I actually... Google it. I know everything's not true on the internet, but I Googled it. And I think it is a true story. In 1875, in Evanston, Illinois, a pharmacy drugstore was called out by the uh, fathers of the town for desecrating the Sabbath. This drugstore was where you went to get ice cream in Evanston back in those days. And they sold ice cream seven days a week. So somebody read the fourth commandment and said, you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath that you normally do. It's supposed to be a day of rest. And so they said, well, we're not going to be obedient to that until the drugstore quits selling their ice cream on Sunday. Because they do that six other days of the week. Now, a resourceful the employee of that drugstore says, I know what we should do. We should create an ice cream dish that we don't sell the other six days. So it's not work we do the other six days. It's only something we do on the Sabbath day. And they created the chocolate Sunday. Spelled it S-U-N-D-A-E. A little different. I'm glad now we sell it all seven days. That's one of my favorite. But they said, that was the way around it. And I thought, okay, and it worked. They went with that idea. But so many people seem to think that Sunday should be, I don't know, like a quiet morning in a library or some miserable funeral service or something that's gloomy. The scripture doesn't support it. Leviticus 23 says the Sabbath day should be a convocation. It should be a holy day. It should be a day of feasting and celebration. Psalm 118, I've already shared with you, says this is the day that we should rejoice and be glad. There are passage after passage that talks about the Sabbath day being a day for rejoicing, a day for re delight, a day of coming together as his people and not to be forsaken because it's such a glorious day. The problem for some people 
especially in our circles, has been a misinterpretation of Isaiah 58, because Isaiah 58 says, don't do your own pleasure on the Sabbath day. And people said, oh, well, if we obey that text, we can't do anything fun, we can't do anything that's pleasurable, we can't even eat ice cream, you know, so to speak. So I want us to look at Isaiah 58. Look with it. Look at uh, that passage with me. The key passage, or the, the, the one quoted most, is verse 13. Right, well, it's towards the conclusion of, of the text, but it's also sandwiched between some good stuff about the Sabbath, and that's never quoted in my circle. It's only verse 13. So let me read verse 13 first. Isaiah 58, 13, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing, here's the phrase, your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going on your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly. And then there's a result if you do that, and the result is blessing. You'll take delight, verse 14, in the Lord. You will make your, and I will make you ride. God makes us ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you interpret it in such a way that the word pleasure there is not to be any good feeling, then it doesn't make sense with the command to take delight. How can you not do any pleasure and then have pleasure? So it seems to be it has to do something with your pleasure versus how can it ever not be my pleasure if I'm delighting in it uh, to a certain degree? So the interpretation many people are trying to throw out there, it's just, it's just inconsistent. Um, a lot of people make a lot of rules on the Sabbath day, based on this verse. We're not supposed to do anything fun. We're not supposed to do anything that's pleasurable. And so let's say we make a family rule, no basketball playing on the Sabbath day. But the day before Sunday, we're out there playing basketball, and we're having a great family time, and somebody moves in next door. They move in next door. They see us as a family playing basketball. They say, hey, that's fun. So they actually come over Sunday after we get home from church, and they say, hey, y'all want to play basketball? Well, I'm offended. You, you, you don't know. We don't do that on Sunday. That's our pleasure. So we can't do that on Sunday. And they, they feel condemned. We feel condemned. And it's all because we're trying to, to get rid of pleasure on Sunday. And a lot of people, the more rules you make, the more condemnation it seems to come across. It gets... Your own pleasure. You can't do what you do the other six days. Let's suppose you're either uh, a medical person that helps people or you're a mechanic that helps people. You do your medical work six days a week. Sunday rolls around and somebody, lo and behold, they're in front of you and they're sick. Oh, well, I can't, I can't help you. It's Sunday. You know, I'm a medical person. I do that the other six days. And I really like what I do. It's my pleasure. Does that mean you can't do it on Sunday? Or you're a mechanic. And you fix people's cars six days a week. 
They break down on the way to church. I wish I could help you, but it's Sunday. You know, that's what I do the other six days, and, and I really like what I do. But I just can't help you out because it's Sunday, and I have to turn for my pleasure. And, do you see what, what problems we've gotten ourselves into? And you probably know people that have a whole list of things they can't do. And you feel condemned. You feel miserable. And the verse is about feeling delightful. So how do we solve the problem? How do, how do we get the blessing that's presented to us here um, and really call the Sabbath a delight? Well, so I want to I help you through that as best I can. Starting, first of all, let's, let's get a better understanding of Isaiah 58. And let's get a better interpretation of what's going on here. The, the, the phrase in verse 13, your own pleasure, you probably have a marginal note that says your own business or your own will. That doesn't help a lot, but uh, it's saying that the same Hebrew word is used for, for our business, for our, what we want to do or what we choose to do. Well, I choose to help people. I choose to be merciful. I choose to sing. It's my will. It's my business. What if your business is to sing worship songs? Can you not do it on Sunday? It, it just gets conflicting. So just knowing a word study here, just knowing the Hebrew word, how it can be translated, doesn't give us a lot of help. We've got to look at the context to what does no pleasure really mean. Um, it can't mean just no speech, no business, no experience of any kind that, that brings us pleasure. Um, if you look at the text, the, the text begins to um, explain itself. Let's go back to verse 1 and see the passage is written to people who don't keep the, they don't keep the Sabbath. Uh, and they're sinners, and that's why the text is here. Verse 1, cry loud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, Declare to my people their transgression. So God's writing Isaiah 58 to point out sin. Declare their transgressions to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. Interesting sinners. They sin. God wants to point out sin. But we've got very religious people who seek God. And seek to delight in God. Um, at, by the way, before I forget it, these sinners can be saved. If you, if you get the whole book in context, look over at chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so shortened that it cannot save, or his ear so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation. That's where he's ultimately ending up. You can be saved from this, but... You're close to not being saved because I, you're doing something I don't want to listen to. I don't want to listen to your prayers because you're not turning from your sin. So let's, let's figure out what the sin is. It's, it's hinted at it in verse 13, but it's specified earlier on. Verse 2, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if there were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me Righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Now notice, 
the people saying, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, God's voice here, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. Seen that phrase before? That's the phrase in verse 13. This is where he mentions it first, and here he defines it. You seek your own pleasure. What does that mean? You oppress all your workers. There's the synonymous phrase. Your people who are seeking me, and you're so self-righteous about it, that you say, I delight in God, I'm going to run hard after God, I'm going to do everything God does, and to make it so, even on the Sabbath day, we will fast. Well, who's going to keep things going? We're going to make other people keep things going. They were oppressing other people to do work so they could fast. And they saw that as religious and holy and really seeking God. I don't know if you've ever met somebody who, who finds their pleasure in working you, in hurting you, in making you do something. That was these people. They found their pleasure in oppressing others. Notice verse 4. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and fight. Their business is now becoming quarreling and fighting. And to hit with a wicked fist, fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. See, he's criticizing their fasting. The way you fast, hmm, I don't take any pleasure in that. That's become your pleasure. You fast in such a way, it seems, you seem to exalt yourself. You promote yourself. And you oppress others to get, it, to get that job done. And then he begins talking about a ministry to those that they oppress because they're not doing it. Verse 5, is such a fast, God is saying, is such a fast what I would choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day that's acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? So here's God's will. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. Now think about what that would mean. God says, don't you think I'd be more pleased if you weren't oppressing your workers? Don't you think I would be more pleased if you loosed them on the Sabbath? Remember the Sabbath day? Not only should you not do any work, but don't work your workers. Don't work even your animals. And yet these people... We're not keeping God's law the way God had said it. And God says, do you think I should listen to you, really? He says, listen to me. Think about what my will really is. Verse 6, to let the oppressed go free. Why don't you just, these that you're oppressing, why don't you just let them go free and break every yoke? Isn't that what I've done for you? Verse 7, is it not to share your bread? See, you're not, you're fasting and you're oppressing your workers, you don't even feed them. And they're doing all the work. Wouldn't it be good if you fed the hungry? What if you brought food to the homeless? Or it brought the homeless into your house, verse 7. And when you see the naked to cover 
him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. So these are things these religious folks were not doing. And yet they thought they were so religious and ought to be answered whenever they spoke to God. Verse 8, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. So if you do these things, if you move forward in this work, you let the oppressed go free, you give food to the hungry, you give a home to the homeless, you pray, uh, verse 9, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Then you shall cry and he will say, here I am. And if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, you know, condemning others, the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in the scorched places. I mean, you just see great blessings. These are people who are they're breaking the Sabbath. They don't get it. They don't get the joy of the Sabbath. And I think sometimes, you know, we're a lot like them. We want to deny ourselves stuff and exalt ourselves and say we, we do God's word and we oppress others who don't know our rules and don't exalt us as well. That's what they were doing. And it's so easy to find that in our own hearts. It's easy to find that in the church. Verse 3 defines the pleasure. The, pre the pleasure that we're going to get to in verse 13 is defined in verse 3. And that's, that's an improper use of the day to oppress others, to not be merciful, to not be caring. If you're the medical type and you can care, you should still care. You're the mechanic who, who can care, you should still care. God says you're missing the point. When you remove the ple that kind of pleasure and that kind of delight and that kind of joy of helping and caring and loving others, you've become a person that just wants to exalt yourself through your own religious practices. Their ple pleasure had nothing to do with playing ball on Sunday. It had nothing to do with going to the lake on Sunday. It had nothing to do with exercise on Sunday. It had nothing to do with eating and feasting on Sunday. We all know people, and we probably have been those people at some time or another, who have made those kind of rules. And say, well, we can't do that on Sunday. That's not what this passage is about, and yet this passage is often used as that support. Um, their pleasure certainly had nothing to do with helping people and taking care of people and loving people. Um, they enjoyed the sin of self-justification. How do we get out of that? Verse 13 says, let's start focusing on God's day as His day, not our day. Verse 13, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, the one you've created, from doing your business on my holy day. So there's God making a distinction. He says, you're not really treating the Sabbath as my day. You're treating it as your day, thinking it's going to please me. And that's your pleasure. By you fasting, thinking that's going to please me. He says, let's get back to focusing on God's day. It's interesting, verse 13, the word your is mentioned four times. Your foot, your pleasure, um, uh, your honor, your own ways, 
uh, your pleasure. He, 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 he keeps bringing up, he said, you're trying to promote you. You're missing, it's my holy day. It's God's day. Um, it's so easy for us to focus on ourselves, our ways, yes, our pleasures, if we think that's getting God's attention. Um, we need to focus on God. It's His day. Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And we've seen Jesus, I mean, God the Father in, in creation, in Genesis 1 and 2, He stops on the seventh day and He says, let's, let's reflect. Everything that I've made is good. Let's look at everything that I've made. It's good. It's a reflection on God. A reflection on what God has done. His creation. You get into the New Testament. On the first day of the week. As the day switches from Saturday to Sunday. Jesus after he's been on the cross. In the tomb. Raised on the. Not Saturday. But on Sunday. And says now let's stop. First thing let's reflect. What just happened. It's a reflection on redemption. As the first Sabbath is reflection on creation, now this reflection on redemption, the work of Christ on the cross, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And that becomes a focus of the church from that point on. The focus is God's holy day. It's not on us. It's not on what we can't do and what we can do. Whatever you can or can't do on the Sabbath, it needs to be a focus on God. His works of creation, His works on the cross, and then His works in the church. He says, don't miss this day. Don't ever forsake this day because we, I, and I want you to gather together because I'm working in the church through each person. None of you have all the gifts, and you've got to see and be around the gifts of Christ to reflect on that great work of Christ building His church that the gates of hell can't prevail against. So focus on God's day. It's His day. It's not our days. It's His business. It's not our business. That's where God's trying to take us. I think with verse 13. And then you get to this phrase, delight, in the middle of verse 13. And then call. So you get the right focus. And then you call the Sabbath a delight. It's The word delight means pleasant, means pleasurable. doesn't it's not hard. And the holy day of the Lord, honorable. So this is a day where we stop again to honor. And, and, and what a delight to do that. What a delight to reflect on God and His work, His creation work, His redemption work. Um, you know, if somebody says to you, um, what you doing tomorrow? Sometimes we say, well... You know, I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to ask me if I could do something fun. I have to go to church. I have to go to church. Not that way we don't. I want to go to church. I get to go to church. I have to go to church in the sense that I have to eat. I have to drink. I have to live. I have to breathe. I have to go to honor my king and my redeemer. He deserves it. He doesn't just demand it. He deserves it. And it's so much fun to take 
time to reflect on the fact that I am a created image bearer of the God who made heaven and earth. It is so thrilling to stop and reflect on the cross of Christ that Jesus actually substituted himself for me. I I have to praise him. I have to sing. I have to praise. It would be foolish to do anything else. Literally foolish. So the have to is the get to. I want to. It would be foolish to not worship God and to call his day a holy day has nothing to do with rules on what I can and cannot do. I can play ball. I can swim. I can hunt. I can fish. I can golf. We can do those things. But I, I have to have a focus on God. Be foolish not to. I have to call his day holy. Remember it, set it apart, keep it special. I I must reflect and remember him this day that he has asked of me to have time with him. I must spend that time with him. It'd just be foolish not to. Now, if you don't understand that and the world doesn't understand that, okay. But this I must do. This is the wise course. This is the business God's called to us to on this day. It doesn't mean other things go away. It's just that this is the focus of this day. And God wants us to have, said, call it that delight. Call it that kind of focus. Get into the day. Um, Abraham, Jesus said in John, he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. So he rejoiced in it. The psalmist says, enter into the courts of the Lord with gladness, with joy, with praises, with singing, with clanging cymbals, with drums, with string instruments. This is a holy and glorious day. It's a time of feasting and celebration. Man, I have to do that. That'd be crazy to put that off and miss that opportunity. Um, So, I hope you began to see the text now, and I hope you began to see the very thing God was preaching against to the first audience in Isaiah 58 is the very thing we need to hear today, because already in in this kind of mini Sabbath series, the number one question that keeps coming up is, what can I do, what can I not do? And it's almost like the question's wrong. And you keep trying to bait me into the answer. I'm going to try to answer it next week on what work you could do, okay? But you try to bait me for an answer, and then that's baiting us as parents. We want to start making rules because we want to train up our kids. This is what you can. This is what you can't do. And in the process, we miss the focus. We miss the holy day completely. We miss the delight And all we get is condemnation. Yeah, we might get some religious activity. We might even start fasting and praying. We get it, but we don't love it. And we're not loving God anymore. And our hearts and minds aren't focused on Him as we should. The Sabbath should be a day of just tremendous, unbelievable blessing. 
And if you don't see it as blessing, you've got something wrong. I've got something wrong. It should be attractive. It should be appealing. If we don't see it that way, that's the way the scripture presents it. So, so we've got something wrong. We've got to get back to a mindset, and not this one that these sinners had, this mindset of seeing the blessing, the appealing, the attractive nature of the Sabbath day. Um, I told you, it was written to sinners like us. God says in Isaiah 59, one of the reasons I'm not answering your prayers is because you're, you're missing this. This is important. He says, I'm not listening to you. I, I have ears. I, could, I can hear. The reason I'm not saving some of you is because you're not getting this. He says, I have an arm that's long enough to reach you. I can save you. But I want you to get this right. So how you treat the Sabbath matters to God in a great way. It matters before He answers prayers. It matters before He extends salvation. So don't just throw this off this morning and say, I'm, David was a little confusing this morning. I'm not sure what he was saying. Or it seems like he was beating a dead horse. I, I don't know all the things you say around the dinner table. I know it's, it's the time to roast the preacher. But that's fine. Uh, but don't throw this off. It's too serious, you see. Even if I don't have it figured out, what do you do with verse 13? Because if you don't get verse 13 right, you can't get verse 14. And that's the blessings that come from doing Sabbath right. And I'm showing you the, 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 the right way is it's God's day. It's not my day. I, I don't wake up on Sunday morning and say, okay, I'm the boss of my life. I get to choose what I do. And I go about it. On Sunday, Jesus has told me not true. I'm the Lord of Sabbath. And I, and I must. It would be foolish not to follow him. He's the Lord. So he's given me a specific focus for this day. Focus on me. Focus on my day. And call it a delight. That that's a delightful thing. See it as, as the delight it is. He says, I haven't given you a list of rules. I've given you my pleasure. And my pleasure was to create you. My pleasure was to redeem you. And my pleasure is to glorify you. Can you not focus on my pleasure and take delight in it? If you can, he says, then, let's go to the then, verse 14. Then you shall take delight in the Lord. It's like, well, didn't you just say that? Well, this is a more focused delight than the more general focus he started with. Not only will you take delight in the day, now you move closer to God and take delight in God. He's the true focus of the day, and that delight in the Lord is very significant. Um, I used to uh, visit my grandparents regularly when uh, I was a young kid growing up. We lived up here in uh, one set of grandparents was in Augusta and the other was North Augusta, so they were so close together, you could always visit them both in, in one trip. And so every other week, like, we would go on this two-hour trip down to Augusta, North Augusta, to visit grandparents, and we'd, we'd, we'd see them both, both sides of the Savannah River, and then we'd come back. Um, There's too much of them 
of, of us, and we were too rambunctious to, to spend the night very often. You know, we just destroyed their house while we were there. But there was some relative, and to this day I don't know her name, can't remember her, between the two houses. And it's like, oh, well, we got to run over here to the little rabbit trail to visit Aunt So-and-so. I called her Miss Miserable. That's because there was, there was no fellowship. There was no joy. She had one of those houses where the floor was so polished and clean and there was no dust. You just knew you were going to break something. You are going to be in trouble. She was miserable. And I just hated that part of the trip. Grandparents were fun, but, oh, man, Miss Miserable. We've got to go see her again. Why? Somehow my folks loved her. But I could not get it. Did not understand why we had to see her. And I got to thinking, you know, sometimes I treat the Lord and I treat the Sabbath like that distant relative. Like there's just going to be no fellowship. There's not going to be joy. It's just, this is the most miserable day of the week instead of thinking of it being, no, this is the most delightful day. Because on this day, verse 14, I delight in the Lord. Think about that for a minute. Do you delight in the Lord more or differently on this day? I think that's where it's taking us. That if you will let this day truly be God's day, and your focus will be on God... Then, in, instead of treating it like a, a miserable blip in the week, or where there's no fellowship, no joy, if, if, if you will truly use the day right, you will see Jesus. I so much want that for you. That at least once every week you see Jesus. That there's a day you say, I saw God today. I saw God in His house. I went into His holy place. And He was high and lifted up. And people were singing. And I heard of His greatness. I was thrilled with His creation. Even going into the house, the clouds broke. And I saw the expanse of the sky, and I wondered who had such a vision, and who has created all of this. And I entered into his courts, and I heard of a Redeemer who died for me in my place who shed his blood, and his blood was righteous. He was without sin, and he took upon himself my sin. And I couldn't believe it. I was overwhelmed with such love. It just blew my mind away to think of all he did on that cross. And he says he did it for me. So that I could escape the wrath of God and the penalty of sin and the punishment of sin. And that I could be glorified. That I could be eternally with God forever. That, that there truly is something that is called eternal life. And it is glorious for God's people. 
I saw God today. I saw Jesus in this place. I received the delight of the Lord, and the Sabbath day made it happen. Don't know how good I did at this as a parent, but I told my kids growing up, I said, we're not going to miss church. That's not optional. And the reason behind it was I wanted them to see Jesus 52 times a year. I wanted them when they left for college to miss something on the Sabbath day. And what they missed, because they're now not in my home, they can do whatever they want, but I wanted them to miss the joy of the Lord in his house and say, I must be with Jesus and go find somebody who will show me Jesus. Don't go find somebody who's going to give you rules of what you can't do. But find someone who knows what it's like to delight in the Lord. Well, there's a couple more things. I'm Second part of verse 14. You shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Picture that phrase. I'll make you ride on the heights of the earth. That's a, some people call it a rocky mountain high, okay? Think of yourself on this rocky mountain looking down at the valleys. Think of yourself as being able to walk on the top of that mountain right after a war. And the captain of the war, Christ himself, tells you, come up into my chariot. And let's ride on the tops of the mountains. And as you ride on those mountains, you get to see the people of God plundering the enemy. You get to see the massive victory. And what is the captain telling you by bringing you into his chariot? He is saying, you are on my side. I didn't stab you. You're mine. You're in the chariot. My victory is your victory. My plunder is your plunder. When I die, it's your death. When I rise from the grave, it's your resurrection. When I give you eternal life, it's yours forever. Christ doesn't. Uh, keep his victory to himself. He shares it with every member of his church. He puts us on his shoulders and he lets us ride and see the victory. What a glorious treat. And it's the Sabbath day that does it. Because only on the Sabbath day do, does the focus of creation and redemption and the church all come together. And you see this glorious blessing that's ours. A delight in the Lord. A delight, I mean, riding the heights and receiving great victory. Mm. Well, third thing, verse 14. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Again, great imagery there. How do you get fed with heritage? 
The, the word feed gives you the image and picture of a feast. But it gives you the picture and feast of a feast where it's all family. And one of our great fathers, Jacob, started this family. He says, and, and, and you, you feed on it. You feed on the fact that you are the family of God. And all that's been won for you is yours because of those who have come before. And they just give, and they give, and they give. And it's so beautiful. That's what he wants us to see, this feasting provision. God says, I'm going to provide for you, just as I did for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm their God. I'm your God. I will prosper you. Um, Exodus 34, let me just give you a quick verse besides these. Exodus 34, I, I, I tried to preach this when I was down in the low country in the farming community, and I got a lot of pushback. Exodus 34, verse 21 says, Six days you shall work, on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. Well, the farmers I was talking to said, nope, you can't do that. I said, what do you mean? Can't do that. Well, it said, you just don't understand farming, David. We only have so much good weather, then we've got bad weather. When we are plowing and the sun shines, we better keep plowing because we've got thousands of acres we've got to plow. And we've got to keep going, we keep going, we keep going until the sun goes down. We get up next morning, we do the same thing. And we don't stop. We don't even stop for Sunday because the rains are coming and then we can't plow. And it's, that's, all, that's all the crop we can put in. And same thing with the harvest. When the harvest is ripe, we got to get it out. And we just keep working even on the Sabbath because if we don't, the harvest doesn't come in and we lose it. And God says, no, no, no. I want you to stop. Even in plowing and even in harvest. And let me provide a feast on the heritage of Jacob. And let it be a time where you see that when you are there to delight in me and honor me, let me show you how I provide for you. Provision's part of the Sabbath. We've seen, we've seen restaurants like Chick-fil-A just wonderfully get blessed for getting this message and saying, we can do this and we can, it's, it's not a rule, it's, it's, it's a trust. It's done in faith that God is a provider for his people. And that provision is part of the Sabbath delight. is being able to sit back and watch the glorious provisions of our God. Well, your thoughts about Sunday. I hope you'll remember that it's as sweet as ice cream. That you see the day as sweet, it's not sour. That you see the day as a day that's truly a delight in the Lord. That you see is a day where you get exalted, but not through self-promotion. You get lifted by Christ to the heights of the earth. To view His glorious victories for us. That you are more than conquerors in Him. And I hope you see, He doesn't let us down through Sabbath obedience. He provides a rich heritage and all that comes with it.
you might be here this morning and you say, David, I've never had a Sabbath anywhere close to that. If, if we don't know the delight of the day, then often it's because we don't know the Lord of the day. And that's Christ. So I just ask you to evaluate that and trust Christ to be your Lord. You'll see Him to be your Savior. And you'll begin to take that delight. But it starts with Christ. It doesn't start with you keeping a rule or with you keeping a day. Let's pray together. Father, let us now see Jesus even in the Lord's Supper. Let us see Jesus 52 times a year and more. But may we see a fullness on the Lord's day that's just really not planned other days. And let it be something that we take great delight in because we're with you. And may that be observed by others. Why are we really having so many feasts and so much fun and so much joy? And it's because we've been with Jesus. For those, Lord, who've never seen Jesus as he truly is, we ask that you would draw them to him now, that they might know the joy we know in Christ. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.